everyone and welcome to another Scott Swahey podcast and today I'm joined by Robert Kilpatrick. Hello Robert. Hey Ali, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good and Robert is the General Manager of the Scottish Music Industry Association but so much more, that only begins to scratch the surface I think. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your role with them. Yeah, so um, the Scottish Music Industry Association, or SMIA as it's also known, um, is a trade body and membership organisation that exists to represent and develop the music industry in Scotland. Um, so two quite broad aims. Um, the SMIA was, was launched in 2008, um, mainly due to the fact that there wasn't a, a vehicle to provide a unified voice for Scotland's music industry. Um, so... It's evolved quite significantly since um, being established in 2008. Um, but yeah, we, we mainly exist, like I said, to represent and develop the industry. So on the representation side, that's about, um, you know, recognising, speaking to the industry, finding out their needs and wants and um, channeling that through to public agencies like Creative Scotland, um, Highland, Highlands Enterprise, Scottish Enterprise, etc., as well as government. Um, and then on the development side, that's about um, trying to, allow the music industry to um, to recognise um, and fulfil its value, I guess. So focusing on developing the business side of the music industry in Scotland, you know, as you'll know as well as me, Ali, like um, we've got an abundance of amazing creative mm. talent in Scotland. Um, but over the years, largely through lack of resource and lack of, um, you know, finance to put towards it, there hasn't been as many opportunities um, to develop the business side of the industry to allow Scotland's music industry to be as competitive as it could be. So that's kind of like our main mission with the SMIA, to retain as much um, musical talent, both business and creative within Scotland, um, and increase the supply chain and ultimately bring more revenue to the industry in Scotland. So I'm, it's basically a full-time job all the time. I mean, you know, that's something that is clearly uh, ongoing. It's a, man, I mean, my job is five full-time jobs all the time, <laughs> uh, probably. I mean, especially just now, you know, um, as, a, as a support organisation for the music industry and at a time like this, um, it's incredibly challenging. Um, you know, unlike a lot of, there's a lot of organisations similar to the SMIA, but their remits are um, maybe a lot more kind of focused than ours. So, for example, the Music Managers Forum, who represent managers, or the Music Publishers Association, who represent publishers, we are anyone who works in any capacity in music in Scotland. So that means that, um, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot, there's obviously a lot of similarities in terms of the needs and wants and challenges, but also some really dramatic differences. And for a small team, we are kept very, very busy um, trying, to, trying to make the music industry better for everyone, um, albeit that a one-size-fits-all approach is uh, definitely something that we're still trying to try to work out ourselves. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great job, no, no shortage of things to do, but something that I wholeheartedly care about and, um, yeah, like, have, have gladly flung all of me into over all the years I've been involved in it. And so if there's someone listening to this now who are maybe in a band or just starting out or everything, how, what would be the best way to kind of find out what you do for them or what you could do for them? So the best way is heading to the SMIA website, smia.org.uk. So as a membership organisation, we obviously represent our members. Um, but luckily for anyone listening, you can join the SMIA for free. Um, as a basic member, there's no cost to do so. It takes about five minutes to join on our website. 
Um, and that's been the result of the SMIE becoming a regularly funded organisation, part of the Creative Scotland RFO network. Um, we joined that in 2018. So prior to that, you know, we applied for open project funding, as most people do, um, and our members, our membership was only a paid thing. Um, but since becoming regularly funded, we've managed to have this basic membership that's free. Um, we now have over 3,000 members all working across Scotland in different music industry roles. So whether you're in a band, whether you're an artist manager or a record label, whatever kind of capacity, whether you're working in or actually just wanting to work in music, um, joining the SMIA is a really, really great way to become part of a network and a community um, that ultimately is all about collaboration, cooperation and communication and trying to strengthen the industry for the good of all. Excellent. Uh, and that sounds something that people should definitely know about if they don't already. So part of this is also the Scottish Arm of the Year Award, which uh, you are also very much involved in. So much to talk about here, but the long list mm. just uh, has just come out, haven't it? Maybe talk through the process a bit, uh, Robert. That might be a good idea. Yeah, of course. So process for the Say Award. So unlike a lot of awards where, um, you know, to be considered, there's a, a big meaty listing fee and uh, a lot of barriers, I guess, before you can even get to a point where you can be considered. As the, So the Say Award is ASMI's flagship project. And given that we exist to represent and develop the music industry in Scotland, the idea of there being any barriers to participation for something like the Say Award is completely counterproductive to why we exist. So any album, um, as long as it meets the criteria, can be considered for the Say Award. And it can be, it was able, you can submit an album to be considered for the Say Award for free. There's no cost for doing so. And it can be submitted by the artists themselves, um, someone on their team, or even just a music fan. So the process, the Say Award kicks off with um, the, the Say Award website accepting eligible album submissions. So there's a set of criteria, um, four kind of key things um, an album has to meet. Um, in order to be deemed eligible. If it meets that criteria upon being submitted, um, it's added to the eligible albums list. So this year, from the 1st of July to the 31st of July was our submission period, and we had 362 eligible albums submitted, which um, last year was our record um, today, um, prior obviously to this year. That was 293 last year, and this year 362. So an incredible amount of albums, and that's essentially like crowdsourcing those albums, Ali. It's like... Yeah. Um, calling on our community to be like, right, what are all the records that meet this? And even for our team who, um, you know, we listen to a lot of Scottish music, obviously, you'd, you'd hope so given we worked at the Scottish Music Industry Association. But um, yeah, we, you know, we discover some amazing records every year through that process. And it's, it's amazing, you know, um, it's a really, really great way for us to get a real insight into what is actually going on um, in terms of the recorded output across all genres in the country. So once all the eligible albums made, um, obviously the closing date for that, so it's 362, it's then down to 100 impartial industry nominators to whittle that eligible album list down to a long list of 20 albums. So the way they do that is each nominator has to pick their top five albums off of the eligible albums list. And each, um, each one of their choices in our top five um, is assigned points. So first choice would get 10 points, second choice eight points, third six, etc. And once we have top fives in from all 100 nominators, the highest scoring 20 albums um, make up the Say Award long list. Mm -hmm. That long list, which is the, the uh, stage we're at just now, um, that long list is um, promoted quite heavily um, over a two-week period. 
And it's then reduced a short list of 10 albums, nine of which are chosen by the Say Award judging panel, um, which changes every year and will be announced in this year's panel shortly. Right. Um, one album is chosen by uh, music fans via a 72-hour public vote at sayaward.com. So all albums that, uh, that enter the shortlist they are, are automatically guaranteed a minimum prize of £1,000. And then the Say Award judging panel will be convened to decide the winner um, who scoops the Big 20. I mean, one, it's an incredible support for bands to get that kind of, you know, financial support. But if we break that, you know, the process is, it's complex, but I think that's what makes it so democratic. You've got that eligible album list. And like you, you know, I think, oh, I listen to lots of Scottish music. And then you go through it. And it's great to discover these bands that, uh, you know, just completely pass you by for whatever reason. The breadth, the types of music there, of course, over 300 odd albums, it's going to be diverse, but it really is sensational. And what gets me is not just the diversity, but the quality. 100%, yeah. I mean, every, yeah, every year I'm in awe listening through the records. I feel such immense pride um, of the output, yeah, the output of Scotland. The reason, man, like, I just a wee anecdotal story to add in here, but, um, when I left school, I went to Glasgow Uni. I was doing a, a business degree, philosophy and sociology as well. And I started a band very quickly. And within six months, I dropped out uni and decided I wanted to be a rock star. And uh, <laughs> I, I, um, I applied to do music um, at Stowe College. And I remember at the time, my dad had been like to me, you're chucking away a Glasgow Uni degree for Stowe College. My dad went to Stowe College. Um, so for him, it was like, you know, you you need you need to do better than me type thing. Oh, yeah. Um, but my I you know I was so set on doing it, and it's the best decision I ever made. Um, doing that course, I loved it. But my very very first day at Stowe College studying music business, it was in 2012, so the first year of the Say Award, and uh, my very first class, we were asked to listen to the shortlist and talk about why they were outstanding Scottish albums. So even from my first day of studying anything to do with music business or music industry, I was immersed right in the Say Award. And it, it just feels really uh, as if it was fate or as if it was magic that has somehow swung around to be in my day-to-day life. Um, uh, it's, it's, man. Well, I was steeped in it from the beginning. And when you get to the, the long list stage, I should say, um, as one of the, the nominators, the, the kind of process and the people I know that also do it, really take it seriously and really think carefully. If folk think we're just ticking boxes to the, I mean, the, the agonies I go through trying to come up with a top five, it's ridiculous. But it's a, it's a good thing. And I think, you know, 100 people, how, how could you get more of a kind of across the board? Because um, people like myself that do maybe radio shows or, or write, um, do podcasts and stuff, but who else do you kind of get out? There's journalists and other people in yeah, the industry exactly. and yeah it's, it's quite a good cross-section across scotland's like kind of music and arts arts communities the main kind of emphasis on the nominators is the impartiality element so yeah, we sure. would we would never pick someone from a record label for example or a management company um, because they'll have a commercial interest but in terms of you know the, the categories i guess um, of the nominators um, you know we'll have people representing venues promoters um music media journalists um yeah, right, right across the board in terms of the people who have their finger on the pulse in terms of what is coming out of Scotland um, and, yeah, from a recorded point of view. So every year we mix, you know, we mix the nominators up a bit. It's really mm-hmm. obviously to have 
diverse voices in there, new voices in there. Um, you know, this year for the second year in a row, I mean, we've always been pretty close to 50-50 anyway, but for the last two years, we've made it like, um, you know, a requirement that our, our nominators are gender balanced 50-50, same with our judging panel. And I think that when you, when you actually think about the long lists over the last two years, um, the importance of doing that is, is, is proven in the list because the last two years, I think especially, the Say Awards done a really, really good job in showcasing not only a diverse selection of Scottish albums, but a really, really great, outstanding selection of Scottish albums. Um, something for everyone, which is exactly what the Say Award should be. You know, Nicola and one of our co-hosts, says that um, rather than a, a competition, the Say Award's a celebration of Scottish music, and I definitely do think that. I think it's, um, you know, a bold, unifying platform to discover or celebrate and champion, champion sorry, all music across Scotland, rather than thinking about which album is better than the other. You know, I never, ever see it as that. Um, it's very much a community-type vibe celebration. I mean, as usual, uh, Nicola nails it. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's people, a lot of people do have this concern in general, although I never hear it said about things like the Oscars and BAFTAs, but this idea that art shouldn't be a competition. But I think what I've come to know over the years, the Scottish Album the Year Award is exactly that. It's a celebration. Starting with the eligible albums, there'll be stuff, for, of course there's going to be stuff that people won't like, but you're bound to find something that you absolutely fall in love with. And I do every year, somebody I've never heard of before, and you just go, that is amazing. And I think to talk about the impartiality, that's really important as well, because people always think, oh, you know, this is um, the same people every year, or all that kind of stuff. Actually, the, from what I can tell, the majority of people that you get, they've got no skin in the game at all. It's absolutely, I just, these are the bands that we love and we're going to support them. And it's about support right across, right across the awards. Yeah, it really, really is. I mean, the 100 nominators thing, it's amazing, you know, like in terms of, because it essentially is a, it's a nationwide consultation, you know. Here, pretty difficult when there's a lot of people furloughed and not checking emails, you know, chasing yeah. 100 people at any time is quite difficult. But this year, it was uh, to the wire, let's say that. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, do you know what? Um, just on that in terms of this year, um, as with everything this year, with budgets and um, capacity issues, organisations, um, the Say Award was something that me personally and the SMI more generally, um, we it was fundamental to us for it to go ahead, you know. Yeah. Um, it's like now more than ever, you know, with the prize fund, with the 20k for the winner, with the nine grand um, and the runner-up prizes, £1,000 each for the nine runners-up, um, you know that that is more important than ever and regardless of the prize money the promotional value the promotional value for the albums and the albums bearing in mind when they're celebrated it's not only about celebrating the artist it's looking at you know who produced that record and um, what studio which were recorded and all the ecosystem around it as well um i think that um you know right now we are the music industry we all love um is under threat and in a really really um troubled troubled way um, highlighting and celebrating our culture helps articulate its value and I think it's really really important that we we keep doing that especially just now even even though celebrating anything might feel quite unnatural just now but um, there's a lot to celebrate and we should. I think there's a few things to say about that um, it seems to me that actually listening to music or you know if your thing's watching films or reading books has actually become more important for people during this period. You know, I think the, the idea that you need to kind of switch off and, and 
have something else take you somewhere else is, is really important. And you've managed to keep, you had the long list event just last week mm. where you had live bands, you had uh, Nicola uh, and Vic Galloway, you know, talking about the long list at the end. I think it was, was it a three hour event, more than that? Two hours, yeah, it was yeah, two hours. Right. And uh, so you still managed to get something on and you're just having to come up with different ways of, of doing these things. Yeah, I mean, do you know what? Like, uh, it's, yeah, it's been quite interesting, like reimagining how the Say Award the events. I mean, live at the long list, we, we essentially just tried to recreate it as close as possible to what the live experience would be. Um, quite funny doing the script for it this year, you know, Vicla, uh, Vicla, <laughs> Vic and Nicola, uh, we sometimes do call them Vicla, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Vic, Vic and Nicola, normally the line will be, you know, like, um, right, charge our glasses, this year it was replaced with charge our laptops, <laughs> um, for the people at home, it's quite funny, but um, no, I mean, I guess like uh, creating a, creating a programme, it opened up a lot of opportunities for us, Ali, you know, like, um, when we do the live event, albeit live events are amazing and I wholeheartedly missed um, not not being able to do that this year. But what the opportunity that gave us was to, you know, make it much more accessible. There was no, you know, rather than having to pay for a ticket, you could just watch it. Was not about, you know, just how many people can get in the room. The room is unlimited. Um, And, you know, anyone from anywhere in the world could tune in. And um, yeah, it's it's been really, really interesting doing it doing it all kind of virtually this year. But I guess from our end, um, the priority for us is about digital audience development for the yeah. award, but also for all the artists, because now more than ever, um, that is that is absolutely key. You know, we need to make sure that in this downtime where artists can't perform live, we are engaging audiences. We are making, you know, having more having a larger kind of domestic market for Scottish music so that once these restrictions are um are lifted or mm-hmm. reduced and live music activity can continue, um these artists, there's gonna be people wanting to see them, you know. Um we're really aware of the, you know, probably the lack of consumer confidence there's gonna be initially once um the restrictions are lifted and stuff and, you know, making these artists um connect with people to the point where it's the, it's the most exciting thing ever to see them live is what's going to help kind of redress that balance, I think. So, um, yeah, it's been... Yeah, it's been... you can see people you know, discovering the, the albums on the long list or the short list or whatever and thinking, well, oh, I can't wait to see this band play live. And you know, some of the bands that I've seen at uh, shows in the past are ones that you go, I can't wait to get their records. So, I mean, it kind of it all works together. It's all part of that. Um, with this in mind, have you uh, been surprised at the amount of new music that's been continued to be made during this odd time? Because I have. Yeah, I have actually. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, um, I guess, like you know, income gone, all these restrictions and stuff. But the one thing that artists always have is the ability to create. Um, you know, they're all they're always creating value, essentially. Um, economic, social and cultural by anything they put out. Um, I think that, yeah, I mean, time-wise, right, when we think of, you know, 2020 being the year this happened and what maybe the output would have been like if this was, say, 10 years ago or 15 years Mm. ago with how much technology has advanced in recent times and how good a bedroom production can be. You know, C. Duncan's proved that. (laughs) Um, And uh, I think it's it's amazing, you know. Um, 
interesting thing i mean a lot of i've been speaking to quite a lot of artists about this recently and it's um the thing that i'm finding quite interesting is like why they're creating just now yeah. you know um is it about trying you know is it about creating for art art for art's sake i guess or is it or is there an anxiety fear type thing that's pushing it like i need to put stuff out to still you know to still retain engagement with my fans etc um it's really, really interesting, but I think, um, yeah, I think we'll look back in this period and have a real a lot to say about the music that came out, and you know, picking that apart a bit more in the underlying themes and you know the kind of social vibe of what um, what's actually been said. Um, it's been, yeah, it's you know, it's been really, really good to, to see so many people still creating and putting stuff out. Um, obviously, when lockdown initially happened, it was pretty worrying seeing mm. understandably but worrying seeing a lot of labels pulling releases etc and you can see why you know when totally, tours, yeah. are tied, tours are tied in to make those make those releases um you know generate the revenue that's projected you can totally see why but um i'm glad that after that initial thing and it's much more obviously on a diy kind of um indie sense but people have just been really really keen to keep putting stuff out and i think it's been really really important for a mental health point of view more than anything for people you know i think you're right i've spoken to a lot of musicians who have it's it, it's you say it's the need to do it i have to do it i have to be creative i have to put this out and some musicians who previously were perhaps best known for acoustic stuff have looked into how they can do stuff on computers or on keyboards or just change the way that they're working and i've seen it as a really positive thing um, yeah, difficult definitely. to keep positive but they've, they've, they're kind of managing to do it Hundred percent. I mean, it's it's been great seeing artists use platforms like Patreon, etc., and just trying to be a bit more creative and how how they can generate revenue, put out new stuff potentially, or do live streams, etc. Um, you know, I, as as I'm sure you felt as well, the initial flurry of everyone doing a live stream, nobody seemingly having a working internet connection, <laughs> um, and like uh, you know, I, I like at the start seeing all that, I did feel a bit worried to be honest because I was like you know, the more people do this and the more bad experiences of a dodgy live stream engagement is just going to tank generally for it. Um, but it was it was really refreshing to see a lot of artists kind of get ahead of that and maybe think, right, what can I do that's a bit more strategic? Maybe yeah. going down the June route or whatever, um, whatever platform it might be. But, um, you know, I think um, there's been a lot of, a lot of, um, creativity and also quite a lot of business strategy from a lot of artists in Scotland that, um, is going to be the thing that will potentially see them through this because yeah, um, sadly there's still no no kind of sign of when things are going to be in any way normal for um, our music community again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, talking about new music, can we talk a little bit about your involvement with Ice Blink Luck? Yes, yes. Um, so they are a new label, I'm delighted to say. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, yeah, Ice Plank Luck. Um, it had almost been like years in the making. Um, I, I, I start. Well, we launched the company last year, December. Great timing. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> had a very, had a very uh, different, different idea of what the future was going to be than how it turned out. But um, I, uh, yeah, I set up that company in December with Stina Tweedale, um, Honeyblood, um, who's been one of my best friends for years and I've been such a massive fan of everything she does. Um, I think Connie Blood are 
a really, really great example of the strength of Scottish music. Absolutely, um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, me and Stina, um, it's just one of those relationships, I guess, where we feel like we're really, really in sync with, uh, with each other. You know, whether it's kind of um, taste or creative ideas or like strategy, um, I definitely there was a massive synchronicity in between our, our outlooks and ambitions, I guess, for what we wanted personally and professionally, and more importantly, on a wider sense of what we wanted our impact to be as music professionals working within Scotland. Um, so yeah, we set up Icebank Luck. Um, we'd chatted for years on uh, nights out ahead of that, um, you know, steaming, thinking of all these ideas of things that we do. And um, yeah, we, we just decided to do it last December. And the catalyst for doing it um, was taking on Megan Early, um, uh, becoming her manager, really? um, uh, who is now Ruby Gaines. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in a sec. But um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, so initially Iceblank Lock formed as a management company. Um, so we were managing um, Ruby Gaines. Um, but we also, um, we also wanted to work as a label as well. So, yeah, mainly, mainly artist management and record label, only working with Ruby Gaines just now. And over time, we'll see how it goes. But I've definitely, uh, I've got my hands full enough to uh, make sure that I'm focusing on just one for now. I was thinking about this when I saw you were involved. I went, right, how's he going to manage, how's he going to manage this? One of these cases where you <laughs> start cloning yourself or something like that. But, um, and is Ice Blink Luck, is that, Taken from the Cocteau Twins song. It is indeed, yeah. Ah, I like when I yeah. spot these things. Yeah, I mean, Stina, I just love that record, as as do most people in Scotland that like good music, I guess. Not even just in Scotland, most people like good music. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. yeah I mean, uh, our logo, um, our logo is like two skeletons kissing. And uh, initially I wanted, my, my idea for the company initially was going to call it Saliva Like Glue, which um, <laughs> is a line. A line from Fall Forever, Honeyblood song, um, with emphasis on the skeletons kissing for the logo. I really like that saliva, like glue, the metaphor and like what everything that symbolised. Uh, but Stina very quickly told me that that song's about her ex and she does not want to reference that. So we kept the logo and switched to, switched to Ice Blank Luck. Um, but it's been great. I mean, I don't really have much time to put into it, to be honest. I, I use... Um, anything I can scrape, I guess, at nights um, and weekends, etc. But um, it's, uh, you know, especially just now with so many challenges for the industry, working on yeah. something that feels so new and so positive. Um, and ultimately, for someone who I think is absolutely incredible, Ruby Gaines, um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll make the time, I'll find the time, I'll magic the time. Uh, she deserves the time. So Absolutely. So previously, Megan Early, now Ruby Gaines, massive fan of her stuff. I just think she's got an incredible voice and an incredible songwriter too. Let's talk about Ruby Gaines then and Cardamom, which is the, the single. Um, how did that come about then in terms of why did you decide to change the name and change the... Was that all... Did that all come from herself or... Was it an idea that you kind of all had a, a stake in? Yeah, so it came, it came about, so Megan, when Megan was playing as Megan early, she'd, uh, she'd have a fake kind of alter ego SoundCloud um, where she would post like demos and stuff on. So some people kind of knew about it under the surface uh, and it was called Ruby Gaines. And I just, I always thought the name sounded so cool. I just, I thought it had a vibe to it. Um, and then Megan had, yeah, Megan had, uh, as you know, Ali, like put out some stuff under her own name and then 
there was like a, you know, a year or so maybe where she hadn't had much activity. And uh, we were out chatting one night and she was telling me, you know, um, wanting to get back doing more music stuff, but wanting to do, quite, do it quite differently to what she'd done before. Um, and, you know, us just kind of chatting about it. Um, I suggested to her about potentially reimagining what um, she, how, who she is as an artist and doing something quite creative and bold. Um, so like she, she had quite a strong idea of what she wanted the sound to be, you know. Um, her biggest, most of her main influences are dead. Um, but it's, uh, it's people like Jeff Buckley and Billy Holiday and Judy Garland and then some alive people too, like Fiona Apple. But, um, you know, the strength, the strength of her vocal, um, it's just like, I, I could well up even thinking about it. Um, it really it gives me the most intense shivers of anything, any voice I've listened to. And, it, you know, probably the personal relationship I have with her comes into that as well. But like you said, an outstanding songwriter, um, a voice that sounds like it's from another time. And Ruby Gaines as a name, um, she actually posted a blog post about this uh, yesterday on our website, uh, rubygaines.com for anyone listening. But um, the name actually is uh, it's an amalgamation of her two grands names. So oh, one of them wow. was, one of her grands was called Ruby Early, the other one was called Margaret Gaines and she's joined the two. And um, her, you know, she, she talks about our, our two grands as these two incredible women, you know, when the blog post, I don't know if you've read it, um, I hope you can uh, if you've got the time, but um, the way she talks about them, they sound really incredible, inspiring, confident, amazing women, and uh, her taking our kind of namesake from combining both their names and the confidence she feels and pulling all her years of experience as an artist, plus working with me and Stina together, um, yeah, she's now she's now became Ruby Gaines, and I think it's a, it's a lovely tribute to her grands as well as the coolest fucking artist name I've heard in a long time. So, actually, yeah. I saw I was looking uh, earlier on at her site, and I saw the two pictures, but I didn't clock that's who it was. So I'm going to have mm. to go back and read that. That's brilliant. Um, and did you say well? Was this a because I'm, I'm looking at the character? You see, it's it's a different image. There's a there's a, there's fantastic kind of um, boldness about the whole project. Mm. Um, was this something that everyone envisaged having a live presence as well? And unfortunately, that can't happen at the moment. But is that something that because that's what it says to me that this is this is one this is long term and one this is something that's going to be have real impact. Yeah, that's exactly it, Ali. Um, so yeah, she's she's got a live band that she'll be playing with. Um, and you'll have heard from the track, it's like a, a massive departure to the, the Megan early sound. Um, you know, the over, overriding thing that connects all together is her vocal. Um, and like, I mean, you've heard Cardamom, um, the other songs that are to come. I think a lot of people are going to be quite surprised about the, the versatility, I guess, of it. Um, the overriding, it's almost... I don't want to give too much away. No, but, um, no, I understand, the, I understand. The vocal, the vocal is the thing that connects them, but uh, yeah, very, very um, interesting sounds, I think. Um, and a lot of that came from working with um, the producer we worked with on the tracks as well, um, Stephen A. Watkins, mixed by Saw, um, as he's, he's also known. But, um, you know, Stephen, the first time I came across Stephen was, um, you, know, te- you know, the Teen Canteen record, say, yes. all of a kid. Uh, the first time I heard that record, I was blown away by the production on it. Sure. Um, that that song, Dancing, Hey You, 
um, that one especially, and then upon investigating it, realizing that was recorded in mono, and then by this mad wizard sound guy, um, and yeah, when speaking to speaking to Megan and working out, you know what what she wanted the Ruby Gaines sound to be, and um, Stephen felt like a very natural fit for where she wanted to go with it, and how me and Stina felt we could help establish. Um, a really great career for her. Um, so working with him was fantastic, and uh, it's really he's you know he's played a significant part in helping develop what has become the Ruby Gain sound. So yeah, live shows are definitely come alley. Um, both Megan playing with this kind of supporting live band, and she'll do she'll do solo stuff as well. You know, Ruby Gains um, as an act will be presented with the backing band, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she'll definitely she'll definitely do some solo Ruby stuff as well. And I'm yes, so excited about it all. It's uh it's a really, really great thing for what is genuinely, in my opinion, um an absolutely outstanding artist who really deserves a shot. Oh, I completely agree. And I have to say when I first heard Card- Cardamom, uh can't say it again, when I first heard it, um it's the voice, that's what you recognize, you know. So this is a bit of a departure. I can't hear, wait to hear the next stuff, but you know, that voice just will will kind of hit you every time without a doubt. Um, well, we're going to hear it in a minute. I'm delighted to say so. Everyone can, else can hear how great it is. But uh, first of all, I want to say thanks, Robert, for talking to me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, man. And thank you for everything you do to support Scottish music, Scottish wider culture. Um, I think you're incredible. I know a lot of people do. So um, it's great work, Ali, and thank you very much for inviting me on. Oh, cheers, man. That's definitely getting kept in. <laughs> cheers, and, uh, <laughs> and we'll be back soon with someone completely different. But in the meantime, this is Ruby Gaines and Cardamon. Like a victim and why oh you tell me 
that's why 